0: Have written my first book, and the reason I said first is I'm on the second one, and the third one's been illustrated as we talk. It's a fun. It's amazing to me. All of my life, never had any dream of of writing. And one day, the Lord began to deal with me, and I started writing. And I thought, Lord, this is laborious. And even Barbara will tell you, I write in tongues and people have to interpret it. But I wrote a book called If Any Man, and it's the story of, of my, my life with Jesus. It, it, I, I made it simple on purpose. So if you go, well, this is a simple read. I did it on purpose, and I did that for this reason. What God did in me, he'll do in anybody. I got born again because mom gave me a book called King's Kid by Harold Hill. I read the book of his his walk with God, how he was an alcoholic that worked at, at that time Cape Canaveral, which is Kennedy Space Center now. And at the end of the book, I closed it and I went, God, I wouldn't mind knowing you like this guy. I did not know how to get saved. But him knowing Jesus, I had never heard anybody talk about the Lord like they knew him. To, to me, Christianity was he's there, we're here. And that book inspired me. So hopefully, that'll do the same thing here. And I tell a lot of stories about my encounters with God, which are some of them are crazy, but they're fun anyway. So it's if any man, there's a whole pile of them out there. Don't ask me what they cost. I don't know. If we run out there on Amazon, and later I'm going to redo it because as I'm reading it, I'm going. I left that out. And I left that out. My sister told me, says you never you never finish writing it. And I guess. She, She's probably right. Anyway, if any man, so if any man's in Christ, and I, that's a man in Christ, Amen. Are y'all ready for the word? I, I want you to pop my picture up on the screen. That's it. You can leave it there for a little while. Go with, get in your Bibles and go with me to one Peter chapter five. We're going to talk about humility what we're really going to talk about is how to get God to do for you what appears to you to be impossible. Y'all are exciting. How do you get God to do, or can you, or will he, do for you what you can't do? Now, if, if you could do it, we wouldn't need God. But you and I are going to find out while we're walking this earth, there's a lot of things we can't fix. But that doesn't mean they can't be fixed. They can be fixed. We're even going to talk a little bit about America. America can and will be fixed. It will recover. We will see God moving through this nation. And we're going to even at the end of the service, we're going to pray over our nation and we're going to pray over our families. And you're going to see God do things in them you didn't think he would do. We're going to see him do it. We're going to watch God go to work. So anyway, I put this picture up there, and you're going to see why in a minute. Just leave it. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, likewise, you young people, this would be a wonderful scripture to preach to young people, submit yourselves to your elders. Let me stop right there. Let me stop right there. If there is something America needs, please teach your children respect. The reason they're disrespectful is that you didn't teach them to be disrespectful. If you're a parent, just just bear with me a minute. God didn't give you in their life to be their friend. You're their parent. Teach them to mind. Their fit throwing should not last long. If it does, it's, you come see me and I'll, 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 have a, I'll teach you how to discipline them. I won't do it publicly because I don't want to go to jail for child abuse. My children told me one time, my daddy abused me, and I went, by God, you needed it. I brought you in the world. I'll take you out. Amen. All right. But anyway, there are better people for it now. They may not agree with it, but that's okay. Likewise, young people, submit yourself to your elders. All of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility. Now, let's talk about this a minute. He's not talking about just wives submitting yourselves to your husbands. The Bible talks about submitting to each other. All right. The earmark of a good Christian is submission. You say, but I'm not a doormat. You may not be, but you are a servant. All right, so we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. All of you be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Now, what happened to us, we're going to go into humility a little bit this morning, and, and the word humble means to go low. It means to take a knee. It means to go low. In our circles that I run in in this church, I have preached to you and taught you rightly that you have authority over all the work of the enemy. Don't allow the devil to rule and reign in your life. But because I teach you so much about being aggressive, I don't want you to become aggressive to God. We need to learn the difference. There is a denomination who preaches Calvinism. They preach sovereignty of God. And they submit to God. They submit to Lucifer. They submit to everything. They submit to sickness. They submit to disease. We won't go down that path. You don't submit to the devil. Amen. But yet, even in our circles, there are times you need to learn when to resist the devil and when to take a knee. Yeah. Okay, and we, and that's what we're going to talk about today because right now... We're going to find out about George Washington. There were times in America where, um, where the Continental Congress, imagine this, put out a, a letter asking all of the officers and the soldiers to humble themselves and pray for America, that we need God to help us. Right now, listen, we need God to help us. There are things happening. we can't fix it, but he can and he will so so even though we we read this scripture, we're saved and we know this well we'll read this in a minute, we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. We have delegated grace to a one-time event to be born again. It is, but it's not only. You need grace all the time. Grace is undeserved favor, unmerited favor. In other words, you got born again, and it was a gift. But life is a gift. A great nation is a gift. Families on fire for God are a gift from God. And if things aren't running right, you need grace. You need favor. You need mercy at times. And you can't approach God like he owes you something he does not owe you anything. He didn't owe me anything. So it gives us a scripture here, and, I'm, and I want to read this because I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to stay on a positive note. He resists pride. God hates Pride. Now, pride always says, I will. And America right now is, we will. No, we won't. Now, I don't know whether you're paying attention to the news or not. And if you're not, there's a problem in Iraq there's a problem in Iran. There's a problem in uh, Saudi Arabia. There's a problem in China. There's a problem in North Korea. There's a problem in Europe. There, there's a problem in California. Uh, uh, have anybody noticed that the world has more problems than any human can fix? Now, I am pro Voting right. Let me let me say that real. I, I want to say thank you, Jesus, for Governor DeSantis. And, and if you don't agree with that, then change what news you're watching. That's. I'm just saying it because you're just watching the wrong news. I know you have a good heart, but but I, aren't you glad that he sent um, Martha's Vineyard a wonderful gift? I mean, they said they have extra houses, and they said they, and listen, I, I think it was a wonderful gift. Now, they didn't appreciate it, but I thought it was fabulous. They're a sanctuary city, and we'll send you more, like 20,000 of them. Does that mean we don't love people? We love people. But, but let me make a statement, So I don't want all of you, 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 you uh, diehard Trump fans to throw anything at me. Politicians got us in it. Don't trust them to get you out. They're people. we're We're going over their head. For, yeah, I thank you DeSantis, thank you Trump, but I, right now I'm going to talk to God because even he needs God right now. there's just so there's too much crazy happening. But my faith is in God. Now, 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 this scripture right here, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, you humble yourself. God's not going to do it. Well, I don't know why God humbled me. He didn't. Um, humble yourself in the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you. Yes. Yeah. Now, let's, let's get off of politics for a minute because everybody's thinking about it. Every one of us in this room have things we can't fix. Say relatives. How many of your relatives you think there's nuts on your fruit on your family tree? You got some, you got some bananas and some pears and some mangoes hanging. We all got stuff. I I have stuff all the time that I don't know how to fix. I don't have the ability and I don't even know how to do it. All the time. Well, every day. You and I. All of us. So the so I have a scripture. If I humble my, now listen, listen, this is powerful because of this. He didn't say, listen, there are people who are against some of y'all, but that can't stop God. He, He didn't say that you pray and if your relatives like you, if your boss likes you. He said, You humble yourself under God and He will lift you up. Amen. And there's nothing any human can do to stop it. That's right. That's right. Now, it's going to take you learning what humility is. In other words, God, resi- if, if, if you're a Christian and you still have a, I'm going to fix it, you're, you're alone. And that's probably why there's a mess because you've tried to fix stuff that you didn't need to be trying to fix because you need to look at yourself in the mirror one day and say, there is a God and I'm not him. Believe me, you know where I got that? My mirror. I have had to say that to myself. You be quiet. If I ever hear you say that again, I will slap you upside your head. If you don't, Lisa will. Now you listen, you shut up and mind. (laughs) <laughs> Anybody talk to yourself in here or them? Okay, okay, I, I do, I do. All right, look, look at this. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care on him. He cares about you. Now, I'm going to read something here, and I want you to pay close, close, close attention to it. The byproduct of humility is always peace and joy the byproduct of pride is always anxiety and fear okay now now if you are noticing that you're having a bad day it's because you think you are going to fix it what am i going to do nothing you are going to pray and you are going to cast the care of it over on God. And it takes faith to do that. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk about me. There, occasionally, either I get myself in a mess, which, which, which it's possible. Have you ever created trouble yourself? You're like, there's a problem in this family, and I think it's me. All right. But then sometimes it isn't. But, you know, not everybody cooperates. Not everybody is dancing with the same music. And there are times when you talk to people and you might as well be talking to the wall. Well, didn't we talk about that? You know, I have family members who are on Charlie Brown. And this is what it sounds like when I'm talking to them. Wah, 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 wah. We never know what Charlie's mother's saying, but we know whatever it is, and it, it must not be important but but anyway, um so at that time, I will usually find a place to pray and go, "Did you hear that?" Now, right now, I'm going to give that to you. Amen. I won't touch it. You fix it, and then I will count it all joy and act as though the Bible's true. I will not lose my joy. Because you don't have any. Right, <laughs> Everybody in here knows what we're talking about. I mean, I've had days when it was, I just tempted to go, oh, crap. This is not going to come out good. And I just go to God. And I say, can I read you a scripture? I'd like to read something to you. You said if I gave it to you, you fix it. I have something you need to fix. And so when you see me, I'm all full of joy. Doesn't mean I don't have any trouble. It just means that I gave it away. All right. <laughs> And it works. And I believe something. I believe this. I be, I over, it's taken me 68 years. I think anxiety is the number one health problem in this nation. I think if we would stop worrying, yes, amen. the body of Christ would <laughs> suddenly get healthy. It's just an idea. It's called, I'm just concerned. No, you're fearful. Well, I care. You do, but you're not God. So care enough to give it to someone who can fix it and act like he told the truth. Kenneth Copeland one time walked in the hospital and his father was dying. His dad was dying. And I never forget, it's funny how you hear stories, you never forget them. And he laid his hands on his father, and he, laid, and he prayed for his father, and he said, Heavenly Father, I commit my dad to you in the name of Jesus. And he walked out, and he's out in the emergency room, and he's, and he's not sad. And his mother walks up and says, Don't you care? Your father's in there dying. And he pulled his mother off and said, Woman, hush. I'm not out here acting like I'm acting because I don't care. I'm acting like I'm acting because there is a God, and you are not. You're killing your husband and my father with your bad attitude. Now, why don't you pray and give it to God and quit crying? Well, that's pretty strong. She did, and father lived. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell another story, and, and I'm giving this to my wonderful wife here, wonderful, wonderful wife. And she was going through a bout with sickness one time, and, and, and really, when you're young, you do not want to die. I don't, I don't want to die young. And I walked in the room, and she had this terrible fear of dying. And I said, con- you better get over it. You better conquer the fear of dying if you want to live. Oh, she got a little bit mad. And then after that she went, well, he's right. And she committed it to God and then she got well. Because if you're laying there afraid you're going to die, you're going to die. Because your worry is killing you. Amen. Amen. But she, she, she did what the word said and cast the care of it on God. And it's big. It's not a little thing. You know, to to know that if God don't intervene, I'm gone. Well, what are you going to do? If there's a God, you might as well shout it and count it all joy. At least you'll be entering his gates, really, with thanksgiving in your heart. I mean, don't die sad, die singing. If you start singing, you probably won't die. Well, anyway, praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the pastor of the church, is walking around up in the front like a roaring lion looking at, no, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. How many of you know the pastor is not the problem? And I'm not talking to everybody, but there's a dozen people in here, maybe half a dozen, that always go, well, you know what the pastor said. Well, I appreciate you giving me credit for the Bible, but I didn't write it. All right, anyway, having said that, so no, It actually doesn't say that. It says, be vigilant because your adversary, your wife, is walking around in the kitchen like a roaring lion, seeking who can she can devour. How many of you know your problem is not your wife? All you women said, amen, brother, hallelujah. Thank you. All right, listen, let me do it. Your adversary, your parents, keeping me from excelling in life, took my cell phone away. Some of y'all need to have your cell phone taken away. So who does he say your problem is? It's not each other. And I'll tell you this, it's not the Baptist, not the Methodist, and it's not the Democrats and the Republicans, even though it does look like it to me. There is a guy behind it all, and he's called Lucifer. The Bible says you and I are to resist him in the faith. And he's walking around. He will not devour you. He will not devour you. You cast the care of it on God, he will not devour you. He cannot have rulership over you unless you give it to him. So you're going to have to do something. May the God of grace who called you to eternal glory after you have suffered a while, the literal Greek means after you've resisted a while, will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. In other words, God will lift you up. Now, I can't tell you how many times in my life God has gotten me out of messes that I had no way out of it. Hundreds. Amen. Go with me now to Isaiah 14. So the word humility means to go low, take yourself out of the equation. You are not God and you are also not the boss. It is not your job title, you can't save yourself and you can't save everyone else. God is the boss, Jesus is the Lord, he's all knowing so we submit to him. Okay. Go to Isaiah. I'm just going to pop it on the screen, and I'm going to show you how to tell the difference. How are you fallen from heaven O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut to the ground who weakened the nations? It, for you said in your heart, I will. I want you to pay attention to this. I will. I will exalt my throne. I will sit on the mount. I will. Now, he is in trouble right now. He is scared out of his mind because he is doing everything in his power to stop Jesus again from returning. How many of you know it ain't happening? But for whatever reason, he still thinks he can overthrow God. Just that's not real bright. But we're not going to talk about Lucifer. Let's talk about you. Do you still think you're going to overthrow God? Do you still think you're going to make it without him? You're not. If God don't take you up, you're not going up. There are things that only God is going to do. You and I were saved by grace. We'll get into that in a minute. But the biggest issue is anytime you see yourself, what am I going to do? Stop and say, I will pray. And I will seek God and I will humble myself. As long as you're on this planet, you will have trouble. Now, I'm going to say something to all you wonderful people who come to church. Just just listen to me. The average person who comes lasts about three months. Trouble hits, and the first thing you bail on is God. That should be priority one, that you should find out that you are not God. You can't save yourself, you can't heal yourself, you can't deliver yourself. He's God. Now, when you get in trouble, Run to church. Now, if you find yourself back smoking dope, drinking beer, checking out the wild women, that's when you need church more than ever. Now, 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 now just pay attention as I say this. On Friday Saturday night, if you go out and get stewed, come to church next morning. Because you're not recovering without help. We won't condemn you. But we're not going to let you do that every Sunday. If in a year from now you're still coming stewed, we're probably going to put you up here and lay hands on you. Okay. Are you all out there? Listen, every one of us have the days. Satan hits, you have an adversary, and he's going to do everything in his power to take you out. Where your help comes from is the Lord. You say, but I don't feel. Who cares? Worship God, feeling bad. (laughs) You're God, it's obvious I'm not. And he will lift you up. Always. Because he won't condemn you if your heart's right. That's good preaching. Okay. Now, let's talk about this wonderful church, which has the perfect pastor and perfect people. Not If you're coming because you like me, you won't last long either. I have this uncanny ability to be good three-quarters of the time. Yeah, my God, it's those, those Sundays you're going. What happened to him today? I mean, he was terrible. You are too. Just lighten up a little bit. Just go, maybe he needs help. The, 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 The point is, you don't come to church because of the preacher. You come to church because of the Lord. All right, now let's talk about the other side of it. What about the people you're here with? If you've been here for a month, they're all wonderful. It's only because you don't know them. They're as crazy as you are. Now, anytime you see people running around with blue hair and orange hair and no hair, yeah, there's problems, and this church has problems. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Just listen to me. Pride runs, well, look at them. That's pride. Humility lifts. A man who's humble, God will take him up, and he will know God took him up, and he'll reach down and go, can I help you come up? Can I help you? I was where you are once. Come on, let me bring let me help you up. That's humility. Jesus was humble. The sign of a Christian is humility, not pride. Satan's proud. I'm doing good, aren't I? This is good? So so we're not going to act like this. I I will. Right now we're watching people on news. We will. No, you won't. But God will. And right now, many of us are watching the news, and it's obvious we can see his fingerprints in what's going on. And he is creating havoc among the enemy. I mean, I think he's up there going, ha, 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 I'll show you a thing or two. You goofy thing, you, you know. And so, God, because there's things we can't do, but we can pray, and we will pray. And he will move, and he will protect us. All right, having said that, Ephesians chapter 2, go there. Go to Ephesians 2. I'm doing a better job than your Amen, amening, but it's okay. I'm not proud. Now, you know, people... people Is it pride to say, I have no pride? No. In the Bible, Moses called himself the humblest man in the earth. He wrote that about himself. So if you saw that, you would go, boy, that was pride. No, humility just means this, I Trust God. I do not put faith in me. My faith is in him. And that's and I am a humble man. There's nothing wrong with you calling yourself humble if you're humble. But if you're proud, you won't dare call yourself humble because you're too proud to call yourself humble. Wow. Woo, that went over like a lead balloon. How many of you got that? You're like, wait a minute. I, I never thought about that, you know, well, think about it a little while, so my personality, which is bold, isn't pride and arrogance, it's Holy Ghost, which the righteous are bold as a lion, which is not pride. I'm not boasting in Daryl. I boast in the Lord. But I boast loud. Does that make sense? I'm not walking around going, I am. You'll never hear me say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am blessed coming in and blessed going out, and Abraham's blessed of mine. If I'm pride, if I'm boastful, I boast in the Lord. I boast in what he has done. I boast in his goodness that is on me and I'm loud about it. Amen. Yes, amen, amen. Well, I think he should just calm down. Well, maybe you're being calm is pride. What are they gonna think about me? They might think that you're bold. A lady looked at me one time and said, you scare me. I said, yeah, that's what Satan said to me this morning when I woke up. You scare me. I said, you better believe I scare you, Jack, because you've been trying for 45 years to kill me, and you have been unable to do so. I should scare you. The Bible says he flees as in terror. Never mind. I'm trying my best to teach a little bit of humility here this morning. And okay, Ephesians chapter two, verse four. God rich in mercy because of His great love where He loved us. Not because you're so great because He's great. Even when we were dead in sins, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, by mercy, unmerited favor, you were saved at anything you did. And He caused you and I to sit together in heavenly places in Christ in the ages to come. And forever and forever and forever and forever and forever is going to be kind to us, not because anything you did, because what Jesus did. And we give Him all the glory and all the honor. Verse 8. For by unmerited favor, you have been saved, healed, and delivered through the faith and the blood of Jesus. Not your yourself. Not yourself. You are doing well and you didn't do it. If you didn't get you here you can't keep you here. If he got you here he will take you where you need to go. He is good to you now. He will be good to you tomorrow. We serve a very very good God. Rejoice In the Lord, not in yourself. All right, now that's the reason I go to church. Now listen, I don't go to church because I have to. I go to church because I need to. You see, I need a time that I get my mind off of me and come in here and go, I need to give you glory because if without you I will be a mess. I was a mess when you found me and I was a mess last week, but I believe God that you will fix my mess. And he does a good job. And then y'all go, that was a good sermon. And I go, yeah, I never heard it either. (laughs) Did you know that naturally without God, I am introvert? Oh, I am. My whole third grade year, I didn't even talk. The teacher called me one day and told me to spell the word sail. I said S-A-L-E, and everybody started laughing because the word that day was S-A-I-L. And I went, I'll never talk again. And I never, I, I, she asked me questions. I never, I never talked to her again. And they had to move me to another third grade class because I quit talking to the teacher. I just quit talking to everybody. And then I got born again. (coughs) Oh, glory to God. (laughs) Something happened. (laughs) (laughs) And some of y'all are thinking, could you not kind of go back about halfway a little bit? No, 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 no. Nothing wrong with talking if you have something to say. Do you all understand that? All, we should always remember how we got where we are. We got here because he gave it to us. It's free. I'm, I'm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. But out of Jesus, there are I'm, I'm an unrighteous man folks without Jesus I, I'm I'm a hillbilly When I got saved I mean I'm I'm running around with one pair of blue jeans, one shirt, broke, supernaturally broke, sick as a dog, couldn't get a job And I got born again And everything that I have today, everything God gave it to me to give <laughs> And I'm like, don't forget it, Daryl. Don't forget it. Someone said to me one time, says, You married out of your league. I said, honey, everybody's out of my league. But she did too. Do you understand? When God recreated you, he made you a new person. There's nothing junk about you. Nobody's in or out of your league. I want to read some stories now, and, I, and I'm and i going to ask you to bear witness with me, because um, I don't want you to feel like you're in third grade, and I'm the school teacher reading stories to you this morning, and you walk out and go, what happened to church today? <laughs> he just sat up there and would read books to us. But I want to read stories about what happened with George Washington and what happened in the United States and how it was that we won a war against a larger, more equipped, better fighting force. And, it was, and, and, the, and that's, that's the reason right there. And I'm preaching this for this reason. I pray you, we come back to that. We need to pray for this nation. Like Joselito said a while ago. And pray for these boys. Some of them don't know the Lord or don't know the Lord as well as we do, and there's nothing wrong with you. Pray like that was your son or your daughter. Okay, I'm going to read a couple of stories, and they're just amazing stories of of God. And I say the sovereignty of God, if if you use the word correctly. He's a sovereign God. With Boston freed from British occupation, New York was their next target. Washington's ranks of men swelled to 20,000 as he fortified Brooklyn Heights. The British assembled the largest invasion force in the world's history to that date, 32,000 troops, over 400 ships. The thousands of wooden masts in New York's harbor looked like a forest of trees. Washington wrote a letter to his younger brother, John We expect a very bloody summer of it in New York. We are not either in men or arms prepared for it. But if this is a just cause, as I do religiously believe it to be, the same providence which has in many instances appeared for us will still go with us. Now what's he saying? We're going to believe God. Now, they're outnumbered, they're outgunned, but they're going to go to war because what they need to go is right, okay? The Continental Congress, now I want you to notice the Congress is going to put out a letter asking everyone to pray. Now, that's a long time ago. Don't expect it this week. Not out of Washington. The Continental Congress having ordered Friday the 17th instant to be observed as a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer, humbly to supplicate the mercies of Almighty God. Now let me, we read through those words very fast, and I'll explain to you what fasting is. Fasting is the absence of food, but it is also the absence of pleasure. The reason Sunday is called a day of fast is because we come and acknowledge we're not God. We're taking something precious to us, and we're giving it to him and going, without you, I would not make it. And that's what Sabbath is. It wasn't. It's not a day. It, it, it is a day, but it's a person. It's an attitude. So he's saying fast, which they did. They fasted, and they prayed, and they humbled themselves. And what that means is <laughs> we're going to need your help. We're not going to do this by ourselves. All right. We ask him to pardon all of our manifold sins, to prosper the arms of the colonies, and establish peace and freedom in America. This is Congress sent this out to to the to the troops, please pray this. The general commands of all officers and soldiers is to pay strict obedience To the orders of the Congress that unframed, pious, observant to religious duties may be inclined the Lord, the giver of victory, to prosper us. In other words, the whole army was to take a side a day and pray and seek God. This is powerful, guys. This is why we won. We're going to see this in a minute. British General Howe trapped the American troops on Brooklyn Heights with their backs against the sea. That night, Washington made the desperate decision to evacuate his entire army by ferrying it across the East River to Manhattan Island. The sea was boisterous everywhere the British ships were, but providentially, it was calm in the East River, allowing Washington's boats to transport troops, horses, and cannons across it. That's God. The sun began to rise. Half of the American troops were still in danger. But a miraculously thick fog lingered, blocking the evacuation from being seen by the British. Now, let me give you a little meteorology. Fog happens because of cold weather. When you have a glass of tea, the outside of it has got a sweat and water on the outside because it is creating that from the cold when the sun comes up all fog disappears always but it didn't the fog stayed though it was hot say there is a god mm. The sun began to rise. Half the American troops were still on the wrong side of the river. As the dawn of the next day approached, those of us who remained in the trenches became very anxious for our own safety. And when the dawn appeared, there were several regiments still on duty. At this time, a very dense fog began to rise off the river and it seemed to settle in a peculiar manner over both encampments. I recollect this particular providential occurrence perfectly well. It was so dense, the atmosphere, I could barely see a man six yards away. It's thick. Say it's gone. We tarried until the sun rose, but the fog remained as dense as ever. General Washington was the last boat that left Brooklyn Heights. The British never again had an opportunity to capture the entire American army at one time. Had the Americans not been able to evacuate, they would have captured Washington, and he would have been hung, and America would have continued as another of British colonies. They lost the war that day, but God. All right, I'm going to read that. There are instances of, I would, almost astounding providence in our favor our success has staggered our enemies and almost given faith to infidels. So we may truly say, it is not our own arm that has saved us. The hand of heaven appears to have led us on to be perhaps humble instruments and means in the provincial dispensation which he is completing. God has his hand on us. Say amen. All right, now I'm going to read another one. I'm going to actually read three. And so I know that you read, when I read that one, you liked it, so you're probably going to be fine with me reading another one since I have 15 minutes left. The doors are locked. You can't get out. And I, I know y'all think I'm, I love Sunday. I I love preaching the word. I love seeing God lift you and watching him do miraculous things in your life. Okay. On August the 24th, 1814, a force of 4,500 British soldiers marched toward Washington, D.C. In a panic, citizens evacuated. Admiral Cockburn entered the White House, ate dinner, set it on fire. He had British soldiers sit in the congressmen's chairs and hold a mock Congress. When he asked those in favor of burning the Capitol, all said, I. And proceeded to torch the Capitol, the Treasury, the Department of War Building, and the Library of Congress. But suddenly, dark clouds rolled in. Wind and thunder grew into a fight, frightening roar. Lightning began striking. A tornado touched down and sent debris flying. It blew cannons in the air, and it blew roofs off of houses. It knocked down chimneys and walls on top of the British troops. Two cannons were lifted off the ground and blown yards away. Violent winds slammed horse and rider to the the ground. The the book Washington weather recorded by British Admiral George Cockburn said to a lady, "Great God, madam, is this the kind of storm into which you are accustomed in this infernal country?" To which the lady said, "No, sir, this is a special move of God to drive our enemies out of our city." <laughs> I'm going to stop right there and say, God, send a storm to Washington right now and clean it out in Jesus' name and send a hurricane to Martha's Vineyard while you're at it. All right. More British soldiers were killed by the stroke of nature than all the firearms the American troops had mustered in their feeble defense of that city. The British forces fled. Torrential rain fell for two hours, extinguishing all of the fires. God goes, you start a fire, I'll put it out. They marched back to their ships with difficulty on roads covered with downed trees, Only to find the two ships were blown ashore and all of their riggings were damaged. God tore up the army and then tore up their boat. Boats. (laughs) There's a God. On September the 1st, Madison wrote, The enemy by a sudden incursion had succeeded in invading the capital of our nation. But during their possession, though for a single day only, they wantonly destroyed the public edifices, an occasion which appealed so forcibly to the patriotic devotion of America. People none will ever forget. Independence is now maintained with the strength and resources heaven has blessed. In other words, was God in it? You bet he was in it. And I got one more. I got one more. Does this is this good? It is good, and, and and I wanted to read this, and I wanted to read this to you today, because so much is happening around us right now, and some people say they ask me this question: What do we do? You say, "Is that you mean that's it?" No, let me tell you something. That works. We we I'm we're watching God move. I think he's looking for churches to continue to pray. Now, I'm not pro-Democrat or Republican, and I know that some of y'all, that makes you mad. I'm pro-right versus wrong. I'm pro-God versus Satan. I'm pro-marriage versus anti. I'm pro-moral versus immoral. I don't want to put a label on it because everybody on the news wants to label this, and they're labeling it wrong. Now, I understand, I understand that in the Republican Party, they've accepted Christians. I, I get it. But I'm a constitutional conservative. I believe in the Constitution, and I believe in God, and I believe in voting, and I'm going to vote in the only place they let me be a Christian. Okay, don't, don't, don't get mad at me. You see, sometimes we need to have little talks. If someone can't talk to you, ask yourself why. Why can you not be talked to? Don't be so bullheaded. All right, now here's one more because this goes back to what Joselito said a while ago. And I want to read this story because some of y'all are greatly concerned about the IRS coming now to get their money with Glocks. Don't worry, they can't shoot. Help him, Jesus. Dear Lord. Never, never mind. Tensions between King George II and Francis King Louis XV exploded into a global war. Now, we're going to go back prior to the Revolutionary War to the French and Indian War for a minute. Seven-year war called the French and Indian War. On July the 9th, 1775, they passed through a deep wooden ravine along Montauwet. Montahela. I'm that's that's gonna be good enough for now. It's a big long Indian word. What is it? Mal, Malanta. Mal Malanga. Da. Whatever. What she said. The M she said. Okay. I I wouldn't mind learning how to say that big fancy word. Anyway. Eight eight miles south of the fort, they ambushed the French regulars, Canadians, in Pottawa, see-ha, and <laughs> Ottawa Indians. It's okay. I'm not Indian. Not accustomed to fighting unless in an open field. 900 British soldiers were annihilated in the Battle of the Wilderness, also called the Battle of Montessum or another. General George Washington rode back and forth during the battle delivering orders for General Braddock. Um, Eventually, Braddock was killed, and every officer on horseback was shot except Washington as Washington carried Braddock from the field. Before he died, Braddock gave Washington his battle uniform sash, which Washington carried the rest of his life. Shortly thereafter, writing from Fort Cumberland, George Washington described the Battle of Montesum or another to his younger brother, John. As I have heard since my arrival at this place, a circumstantial account of my death and my dying speech, I want to take an early opportunity to contradict the first and assure you that I have not composed that letter yet. In other words, I didn't die. I've heard I died, but I didn't. But by an all-powerful dispensation of providence, I have been protected beyond all human probability or expectation. I had four bullets in my coat, two horses shot from under me, yet I escaped unhurt, although death was leveling my companions on every side. Now, think about that for a minute. Every officer has been killed. Now, this is what the chief of the Indian tribe wrote. Washington, An Indian warrior later said, Washington was never born to be killed by a bullet. Say, me neither. I had 17 fair fires at him with my rifle and after all could not bring him to the ground. 17 marksmen spent the whole battle shooting at him only. And not a bullet touched his body. Look at the picture and say, that's me. He who dwells in a secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fort. In my God I will trust. A thousand will fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will what? Lift me up. Now see, we don't have anything to fear provided you understand who God is and who he isn't. Okay, I just read those three stories in there because the army in America had learned we're going to pray. Now, let me tell you one more story that I watched. Go to Second Chronicles 20, and I got five minutes. Second Chronicles 20, I actually got more than that. I got all the time I want. Second Chronicles, I, I preached in Ukraine Cherkasy and Kiev. I I went to Kiev, preaching in Ukraine. Kevin McNulty started churches there. When war broke out, and I went to Facebook, every one of them went to church and they worshipped God. And they're beating the enemy. They're beating the enemy. These are not soldiers. These are these are farmers beating soldiers. Amen. But but listen, there is a God. What we're watching again, the six-day war, the Jews outnumbered. They were outnumbered. There was like four or five, help me, nations that came against them, and they beat them. They had a Jew, Jewish man came to Ramah. He wasn't a Christian. He said there were times we would take our cannon and shoot one tank and five would blow up. Somebody blew the other four up all by the way. just going boom, 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 boom. God's up there going bam, 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 bam. Now, the only thing I've ever seen that even comes close to that is a cowboy movie where the guy pulls his gun out and shoots and five people fall down. And he takes a six-shooter and shoots 40 times. And when it's empty, he throws it at him which proves he's an idiot. Never mind. Y'all have to laugh sometimes. Y'all just have to laugh. 2 Chronicles 20. There is a God. Now, remember what I said earlier. You, you You and I need to get over anxiety. If you find it creeping on you, find a place and hit your knees. Go low. Go low go to God. i read a story out of the Bible. Uh, it it kind of makes everything I've said in a nutshell. Verse 1, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others from them, from Amorites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then they came and told Jehoshaphat and said, a great multitude is coming against you. From beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazron Tamar, which is in Geddi. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. In other words, he sent out to all the people and said, Come to the temple, we need God. Judah gathered together. No, they didn't get in their cars. They they got on donkeys and they came two or three days away. And walked eight days away. They walked they came to the temple. They gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And don't you rule over the kingdoms and the nations in your hand? There is not power and might, so no one is able to withstand you. Are you not God? Are you not our God? Are you not my God? who drove the inhabitants of this land out before Israel and gave it to your descendants, Abraham, forever. And they dwell in it, and they have built you a sanctuary in your name. And you said, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, and or um, China and or Britain and or Iraq and Iran and or uh, evil men, we are to stand in this temple in your presence and in your name and cry to you and you will save us. Will he? Yes. yes, he will. Yes, yes he will. See, the, the the enemy knows the church is powerful. Our problem is the church doesn't know the church is powerful. You have more power than they do. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against our president will be condemned and proven wrong. Every lie will be thrown to the ground and uncovered, and these men and women will go to jail. In Jesus' name. Get excited anytime time you want to. This is how I pray prayers of a righteous man avails much. All right. I, I get excited about this. I, I, I read this and go, y'all are crazy. We win. All right. All right. Verse 10, and now here are these people, Amon, Moab, Mount Seir, which you wouldn't let Israel get rid of in our here they are, according to your coming to throw us out of our possession, the United States of America. Verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? We don't have any ability or power against the numb nuts that locked all the people up from the January 6th it wrongfully. Do you have the ability? I don't have the ability. Doesn't seem like anybody in Congress. Any, who, who in Sam Hill has the ability? Well, somebody needs to wake them up in the middle of the night and get them out there. Um, We're starting to watch people rise up that do have the ability and quit being cowards. We don't have any power against these crazy nuts, nor do we know what to do, but God, our eyes are on you. Say, we're going to see this nation turn. We're going to see this nation turn. And when it happens, you're going to say it was the Lord. Boy, I have a lot I want to say about politics, but I don't want to tick anybody off. They got us in it. Quit trusting them to get you out. Now, do I want them in? Oh, yes, I do. And when they get in, Pray that they have the wisdom, the courage, and the strength. When you, when, when you have a, a, a person sitting in the White House that's using the FBI to arrest people who are their political opponents, this is corruption times 10. Don't shout me down. This has to stop. And all of you people who think, who do you think the IRS is coming after? Who do you think the rich are? It's you. People who are truly rich hire lawyers. Middle class doesn't have them. You'd better pray. Well, I just want to talk, there are so many many Christians who absolutely have no idea what's happening and that concerns me and you come in and you think I'm a mean person. It's not my fault you don't know what's happening. This is the new world order. You read about it. It's the last days. It's the antichrist system and they're trying to overthrow all of the governments of the earth and it has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with politics. It is the overthrow of the sovereignty of America to bring you in subjection. The pandemic was created by them on purpose. Now, what kind of economy did we have under Trump, which is really a mean man? Did you have gas? Did you have prosperity? And it just vanished, right, in thin air. Wrong. And if you think Biden's the president, let me just talk to you a minute. They wake up in the morning. They give him his cocaine. He's a puppet. He has zero he's doing. He, he doesn't even know whether he's getting coming in and out of the bathroom. That and, and, and I know you're on Facebook talking about what's wrong with this guy. He's just drugged up. He don't know there's there's people running the government called a shadow government behind the scenes now I, i'm i'm just trying to tell you that so that you won't run out of here and get mad at me because you don't know what you're doing amen just just, just go to epic times go to go to some news station where you find out what's happening and that'll help you to pray Because they're after you. You're the one they're after. Now Let me say another one. The vaccines were designed on purpose to kill you. Oh, no. Wake up and smell the coffee. By a man who wants to eliminate people. Have I gone too deep for y'all? But God. Well, there may be people. There may be things I can't do, but I know a God who can tear up the cinema tornado and pick their car up and flip it off like a the Wizard of Oz. I mean, just, Amen. Did I go too deep for y'all? I mean, I know I know three quarters of y'all, nine tenths of y'all are okay, but there's people all the time that are just. I'm okay with it. I'm okay. <clears throat> There's a scripture that said, let those that are ignorant be ignorant still. But I'm not I'm not anti-you as a person. I really am not. I'm not anti-anybody. I'm pro-you. But you can't keep voting for corruption because you think the government's going to give you something. They're going to steal it to give it to you. You can't keep giving money away if you don't have any. We could go on and on and on. Are you guys aware that the economy is not even paying the interest on the on the money they're spending? Are y'all aware how bad it is? It was bad under Trump. It's it's a thousand times worse now. And yet they just keep giving money away. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to an, where you can understand it. <clears throat> you make a thousand dollars a week, and your wife is spending five, and you're doing well. No, you can't. the The government was not designed to run schools. That's not their job. They're not in charge of health. They're not in charge of our children. It's none of their business. Republican or Democrat, it's none of their business. So here we stand on Sunday morning. Is there anything we can do about it? You bet your sweet bippy there's something we can do about it. There is a God, and he will turn it if the church gets on their face and says, we're going to need some help here. My best days are ahead. Lisa and I got a lot of things we want to do in this church for your children, and we are believing and we're staying positive because we're praying. No weapon formed against us. We got angels outside this building watching over every one of y'all right now. (laughs) If I went too far... <sighs> okay. <laughs> Verse 15, listen all you people. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of the multitude. This battle is not yours, it is God's. <laughs> he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. The devil knows who you are. Now Let me finish. Let me finish you. you won't need to fight in this battle. I'm in verse 17. Position yourself. Stand still. See the salvation of God. Don't fear. Tomorrow you're going to go against them. And verse 18, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head to his face, and all Judah, and they worshiped the Lord. They worshiped God. They worshiped God. One of the most powerful things I've ever seen in my life was the Ukrainian church in church as Russia was coming in worshiping God. And someone said, Are they really beating them? Yes. And I love it. Anyway, verse 20. They rose early in the mornings and they went out, and Jehoshaphat said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants, believe the Lord. And you'll be established, believe as prophets, and you'll prosper. Great scripture. And when he consulted the people, he appointed those who would do what? Sing. What? Sing. sing. You go, What? I thought we had a problem in this nation. Yeah, and we're going to sing. 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 You're going to pray. And then you're going to sing. You're going to pray and you're going to worship God. We're going to pray and we're going to worship God. We're going to pray and then we're going to worship God. You're going to leave here you're going to go, whoo, hallelujah, praise the name of Jesus. Someone say, why are you so happy? You're going to go, there is a God and I'm not him. Now if I see you sad, I'm going to make you come back and watch this whole Sunday all over again. I don't want you walking out of here acting like the devil's in charge. He is not. But I don't want you to do nothing. I want you to do something. I want you to learn how to pray and humble yourself before God. And let him know, I'm a Christian, and you gave us this nation, and you gave us Jesus, and you told us we could enter your gates with thanksgiving, and you told us we could come into your throne anytime we had a problem, and Heavenly Father, we are here. Now, let's go personal for a minute. We've been talking about America. Every one of you in this room, not every one of you, but many of you have personal problems. Did you know you can do the same thing? You do the same thing. You have no idea how many times I have gone in my living room and just, now let me, let's talk about being on your knees for a minute. Whatever's happening in your spirit, your body will follow you. If you're kneeling inside, you will kneel outside. If you are worshiping inside, you say, well, I have a song in my heart. No, you don't. Because if it ain't on your lips, it ain't in your heart. Your body is not doing one thing and your spirit's happy and your body's sad. It just doesn't work. Your body is mirroring you. So you say, can you see when I'm worshiping my spirit? Yes, I can. You can see humility. You can see faith. Now, often we give an altar call, and people come up, and they bow. And I'm preaching, and I want you to respond. You know why? Because if you're not responding outside, you aren't responding inside. I want to hear some amen, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, glory to God. Okay. I want to see victory in your life. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray over America. And then I'm going to pray over your family, and I want you to take the things you're dealing with, take a knee physically or however you want to do it, and I want you to give it to God, and I want you to leave it there, and I want you to leave today as though the Bible were true. Father God, I want to give you thanks. Father, we're sitting here this morning we've read the stories out of the book of George Washington, the founder and president of our nation. We read the stories of how you protected him from bullets, how you kept Washington from being overrun by the enemy, which was the British at that day. It's a different enemy, probably from Europe, probably. And Father God, we we like, like the king in the Old Testament. We don't know what to do about it. I don't have an answer, Father. I don't have an answer for everything that's happening in North Korea and Iraq and Iran and Israel. and, and, and I, I don't have an answer for the, what's happening at the border and what's happening in Washington. I don't have an answer. But I know you do. Father God, I refuse to live my life on this planet worried or full of fear or fretting. And I've come to you with my church, with this church that you've given Lisa and I to pastor. And we're asking you to move in our nation. I'm asking you to put righteous men in office. I'm asking you to remove wicked men. I don't care how much money they have, Father. I don't care how many lies they tell. I'm asking you to expose the corruption I'm asking you to spo- expose the wickedness. And then I'm asking you, that. and this is why they're afraid, put them in jail. Get them in a place where they will understand that there's a worse fate if they die called hell. And bring our nation back to God. Whatever's happening in this country, I pray it would create a revival like we have never seen of people taking a knee again and acknowledging that you are God and we are not. I am not God. There's people in this room that they come to me. I can't fix them. I don't know what to do, but you do. I know that I can pray to you, and I've seen you work. I pray over our families. I pray over our families that are not in church, and they're not obeying you, and I'm asking you to intervene in their lives and bring them back to an understanding of who you are. If they've fallen away, to bring them back to their first love. If there's anybody in this room right now who's not born again, Father, I pray that today they would stand up and walk up and say, I'm ready to meet Jesus. I want to be saved. I don't I pray if anybody today comes in this room and they're sick or they're not filled with the Spirit, that you would answer their prayer and give them give them a power from on high. I pray everybody in the sound of my voice would learn when we walk out of here today how powerful you are when we take a knee and give you everything that we can't fix. And we praise you and give you glory and honor. Jesus' name, amen. If you want to take a minute, and just pray a minute. I don't want to rush you. I just want you to pray over. you, You just give these things to the Lord. I want you to take the time. Just give it to him. Let him have it. Those things that are bothering you, those things that are under your skin, that you're worrying about right now, I want you to lay them there and leave them there and let God do it. Thank you, Father. We were born to live in this time, all of us. You were born to be here. That means you're equipped to be here. I said something a while ago, and I want to say it again. Lisa, tell me the name of the, soul, the man who said that if they wanted him to come back and train the soldiers... And he said, not unless you let me teach them to die. There was this man who was an officer. Washington called him up and said, I need you to take the men that are going to Vietnam and train them. And he said, I will not come back. But if you'll give me permission to teach them how to die, I will come. Listen to me. Right now, learn how and get ready if the rapture takes place. You be ready. Get over the fear of what could happen bad. Conquer it. Because you can't go forward afraid. After he taught them, they took them out and baptized them. And he taught every one of them. How to be born again. The biggest problem on a battlefield is, is the men dying and going to hell. Well, if you know you're dying and going to heaven, it really is not a big problem. And if you're trusting God, I know that sounds a little crazy, make me crazy. A lot of people right now in churches are afraid because Jesus isn't Lord. If he's run, remember Peter in jail? He's sleeping. They're going to kill him and he's asleep. They had to kick him awake. Get up. You're going, oh, yeah, going to take me and kill me. <laughs> they didn't. Probably because he wasn't worried about it. I know there's an old adage that you're not going until he says so. If you've given him your life, he has your life in his hand. And you're not going anywhere until God says. So God is calling his church back to himself. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at com. from our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us, too, that if you would love to give to what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.